Welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. Today, we're diving into the important question of what are the three biggest mindsets that are keeping you stuck in your business? What are the three traps that your brain can go to that can keep you stuck and keep you from growing as a business owner, as a leader? and just as a human being in general. So with me today is my favorite co-host that I get to have, Liz Henson. How you doing today, Liz? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I always look forward to business chats. Of course. Of course. On the record, but I'm always asking off the record questions. Help me live, Joey. Oh my gosh. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Today, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to go deep into this topic of scarcity mindsets really is because so much of this is stuff that I've learned not only through business ownership, but through coaching and developing myself as a coach for other business owners. And I'm very grateful and honored to have gone through the coaching training experience with Liz. So Liz and I are very much aligned on various principles and best practices on how to effectively coach others. Yeah. And I and, love that I've been able to selfishly lean on you over the years, knowing that we have the same training when I have my own blind spots, I can go to somebody like you and you ask the right questions. My gosh, right back at you though. I feel like one thing that we were all learning together when you we were going through this coaching training experience was none of us can really do our own brain surgery here. And we had a little Facebook message group going where whenever any one of us who were learning how to be coaches ourselves, whenever we realized that there were certain blocks that we were experiencing, we would be like, hey, can someone have on a quick call with me and coach? And I was definitely on the receiving end of that a lot as well. Yeah. One of my favorite things you always ask is, is this really a problem? <laughs> I think we, we always tend to say, I have a problem. But it's like that bird's eye view. Is it really a problem or is it that learning opportunity, right? Yeah. It's crazy how just the words that you use when you're talking about what's bothering you can shape and change things. Speaking of words, uh, it's probably not a surprise to anybody tuning into this video or the podcast episode, this language of having an abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. More and more business owners, more and more coaches are throwing that out. And don't get me wrong, I 100% believe it. And Liz and I both, I think, have a lot of experience of leveling up a client base, our teams who we're working with, who we let into our inner circles, and being mindful of surrounding ourselves with people with abundance mindsets and not scarcity mindsets. 
but it can be tricky to really get clear on what does it mean for others to have a scarcity mindset or how can you identify when you yourself are being led by scarcity thinking. And so today I wanted to dive into three specific mindset traps that you can fall into that are real signs of you being into a scarcity mindset mode. And I hope this is helpful for everybody. I know it was helpful for me because it can be hard to say, okay, yeah, don't have a scarcity mindset when I'm going through my day. But if you think about it in terms of these three traps, what we'll call the drama triangle, it is much easier to identify yourself when you're falling into this stuff. Yeah. And like you said, I think those of us that have been through extensive training on mindset and this stuff, it's so easy for us to just say the word scarcity and abundant, but we forget to go back to breaking down. What does scarcity mean? What does it feel like? How do we identify it in ourselves and in others? It's just like any other education where you know something. So now you just speak of it, but someone who's new to the room might be like, what language are they speaking? Yeah. Yeah. And Liz, you said this before we went live. We're all born with scarcity mindsets. Our brains are all hardwired to keep us safe and surviving. And so by default, one of these three mindset roles is where your brain probably goes the most frequently. So as we go through this list, I encourage you to listen closely and think about which one of these three identities or mindset roles resonates the most with you on just a default basis. Oh, when I'm not at my best, I tend to do X. The first and most common scarcity mindset role is that of the victim. Mm -hmm. And we don't, I don't think we need to talk about this one too much, but it's this idea of woe is me. It's not my fault. It's other people's fault. I'm playing the victim. And I don't know about you, Liz, but If I'm being honest with myself, like I tend to fall into victim mode a lot if I don't check my brain. Yeah, I don't. That one I don't think is my default, but I think a really interesting example that I just saw my daughter is mommy, this TV doesn't like me because she was having trouble getting the remote to work with the TV. And her default was the TV doesn't like me. And that sounded like a victim mentality. I mean, she's six, so she's probably saw that on TV somewhere or something. There's always opportunity, even when we're raising children, to just say, no, let's try mommy, help me with the TV or solve this problem. But we can see that victim mentality all over. And we all do it. I definitely do it. I don't think it's my default to the three. We'll get to that one. But tell us some ways that even as a business owner, you've caught yourself having a victim mentality moment. It's, I mean, it's so embarrassing to talk about this stuff, right? But like, Kat knows this. There are weekends where, especially here in Chicago, it can get really cold and I take our dog out. And as much as I love Feeny, I'm just cursing him in my head the entire time. And I'm like, why do I freaking have to do this? Like, I have to do this multiple times a day. This is the worst. And With all three of these, and one important thing to think about is that you might be thinking like, yeah, of course, like that doesn't sound like a fun place to live, but there is a payoff to all three of these roles. And really it's the same payoff because 
as much as it might suck to experience victimhood, the mental payoff is you get to be right. You get to say some other person is wrong here and has wronged me. And so it makes you feel better about yourself because you're not the one that was doing anything wrong. The second role in this drama triangle that can be a sign of scarcity thinking is the persecutor. This is where you take more of a superior position and it's, oh, this person in particular did something wrong. So still the victimhood, it's, it's not my fault, but it's no, it's this other person's fault in particular. I see a lot of this, especially in, and losing track of all the Enneagram numbers, but there are a lot of personality types where I call this kind of like the, kind of like the mama bear, right? This is the one who really can stand up for others and is used to being the person who, whether it's through like social justice efforts or other things, has a real value in standing up for others. Yeah, but almost putting people down in that process. Yes. Or and the so, team leader that when something goes wrong, is their immediate reaction is whose responsibility was it? Yes. Yeah. And one of the ideas that comes to the minds of someone who's a persecutor is I'm surrounded by fools and idiots and people that just aren't as good as me. And it allows you to maintain this sense of power and control in what you're doing. And this is something that I do see a lot in CEOs because a lot of times this turns into micromanaging, right? Mm -hmm. This is a lot of, because I'm the smartest person in the room, I don't trust anyone. It's really this trust issue. Or the and, people that are afraid to hire because they want another them, or I can't outsource this because no one will be able to do it as good as me. Yeah. By the way, if you're tuning into the video, I've got some notes here that I'm looking down at because persecutor is one that... I tend to have to go back to my notes too. There are times when I feel this way too, but I think out of all of the three, it's probably the one that I can connect to the least because being the persecutor requires a willingness and kind of embracing to like confront issues. Oh my gosh, Chris, you're crazy. I'm not even going to say what his comment was. I'm not going to disagree though. I just wouldn't use the word smartest. Joey is the, there's like a wisdom there's a wisdom to you. There's the, I don't know we can come back to that. We don't have to make this the compliment. Oh my joke. gosh. No, I am so much in this personality type of being a peacemaker that being the prosecutor can, sometimes I do fall into that, but it's not my main one. And this last one, and Liz, this is the one that you said resonated the most with you. This is the rescuer. Yeah. So this is savior, the martyr, the person who says, let me jump in and take care of it. And whereas the victim said, it's not my fault, it's their fault. And the persecutor says, it's not my fault, it's your fault. The rescuer says, it's my fault. Yeah. I'm like horrible at even giving my team space to hold themselves accountable because I overly take responsibility for everything. <laughs> yeah. There's a sense of being indispensable here. Yeah. And you micromanage from a different place than you would as the prosecutor. Yeah. And I think the rescuers, one of the consequences of that is this all can feel very heavy. 
think that the persecutor can often feel very alone because they feel like they're the only one who can do X, Y, Z, and that they're quote unquote better than others. I think the rescuer more so feels this emotional weight. I serve so many other people. There's no time left to serve myself. Yeah. Yeah. Motherhood feels like that sometimes. Yes. I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) <laughs> but since you said that was a sign of me, because this might relate to others, I work with a lot of female business owners and heard from the business owner, from the female business owners that I work with, that when they hear rescuer, a phrase that tends to come up for them is this like mama bear energy yeah. of yeah. really wanting to protect those around them. Yeah. And as you're tuning into this, I hope that you're catching that like, these are sneaky Yeah. Even before we got on the call, I was actually doing number one where I was like, I'm just feeling grumpy that my kids aren't back in school yet. And I was allowing this external thing, you know, to allow me to be the victim. It's my excuse. I can't get as much work done or this is happening to me that my kids aren't in school yet and all my friends aren't right. Like the victim is very much like that's happening to me. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on any further, again, I'm curious to know, let me know if you're watching live or on the video in the comments, which one of these three resonates most with you. Number one, the victim, number two, the persecutor, or number three, the rescuer. And I do think that everybody feels predominantly leaned in one direction, but the truth is that we often fall into all three of these throughout the day. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up in terms of an episode of this show and this podcast is because I think in the context of being a business owner and leading a team, I want to be as helpful and actionable as I can be in terms of how can we notice this and get out of the drama triangle and shift from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. Yeah. And even outside of team building, I you know, in the form of community building, say you're just a solopreneur and you want to grow your social platform, leadership, your way of being is everything when it comes to community building and audience building, like community building is a way of being. And if you can't take on some of these way of beings, then you're never going to attract more people to you. So leadership is important across the board for no matter, you know, growing a team internally and growing that audience externally. Yeah. And there, there are serious consequences to not checking yourself in these three departments. Because if we just stay focused on the team building side of it, if you're constantly a victim to your team, you're not going to be very inspiring. They're not going to want to p- take the blame either. If you're constantly persecuting, right, then there are issues there. You're creating a lot of victims, that creates the fear of mistake environment. Yes, right? so, 100%. And, you know, you know, that's one I'm a big on. Is- and it makes people fearful of you as a potential bully because mm-hmm. who is the person who you're going to have your crosshairs on when you get upset at that specific person? And then when you're the rescuer, again, you create victims and perpetuating others to just continue to do this. You're continuing to go and say, okay, you guys can continue to just sit aside. I'll fix all of this stuff. Yeah. A tiny example the other day, I was working on an SOP and I was like, Ugh, I don't want to do this, but I'm not going to outsource it either because I can just get it done. Like that mentality of I'll just do it. It's easier. It'll save them the trouble, blah, blah, blah. 
but then I was able to flip that and say, no, what? I'm going to do one out of the four and I'm going to record myself and then I'm going to pass it off. And the mm-hmm. hard work is done. But now, yeah, God forbid I get in a car crash tomorrow. That's super important piece of my business. Someone else knows how to do. Yeah. And that's so small. But for me in that moment, it felt so huge because my gut natural reaction was I'm just going to do it. And I had to fight myself out of yes. that natural reaction. I love that you said that in terms of like fighting yourself against your natural reaction to do something. Yeah. Because the way out of the drama triangle is actually to respond in what might be a very lazy looking way. There's a magic, I think it's a forward question you can ask, no matter which one of these three you're, you realized you've fallen into. And again, especially in the context of leading your team and you're working with them and you realize, Oh, either I'm being a victim or a prosecutor or a rescuer right now, or I'm about to, Mm -hmm. if you check yourself, there's one easy question that you can ask, which is how can I help now? I love this question. Number one, because it's easy. And number two, It's lazy. And I mean that in a nice, this is an effortless thing to just say. It takes the pressure off of you. Now, what it doesn't do is it doesn't completely remove you from being a part of the solution. And that that is the big victim play, right? Of this isn't my fault. It's someone else's responsibility to take care of whatever this is. When you say, how can I help? You're inviting others to say, I want to be a part of the solution. But responding in a way that is letting others know that you're empowering them to make the call. And Liz, I love the way that you describe how this can work in like a coaching relationship or how good coaches can do this. But when you say, how can I help? It allows for a really powerful conversation where you can get clear on what they're actually thinking in terms of how you can help them. And then next steps forward. Yeah. And, and usually when someone answers that question, requires them to get clear on the desired outcome and break it down into what needs to get done to get to the desired outcome. So what's the desired outcome that you want? How can I help? And then they have to think backwards. Yes. I love what Chris said here. Anti-drama is not the same as anti-emotion. Healthy expression of emotion leads to less drama. Yes. Yeah. And I think that really plays out within what you said too, Liz, because when you have that type of anti-drama, but not anti-emotion, then it opens the door for how can I help? How are you feeling? And then listen, validate, and keep moving forward. Yeah. Gosh. And raising our kids. I'm trying to raise my kids to have a healthy amount of emotion. It is so hard not to say, stop crying. Yes. It's so hard to do. I think mm. we are all raised that way. So I always want to say, stop crying. But instead I try to say, if you need to go cry, you can go cry and then we'll talk about it. Like, I know I keep bringing all the parenting into it today. Thank you, Summer. I think sometimes leadership, I love that piece of parenting of being able to bring in some of the things mm. that I learned about leadership and just hope that I can raise amazing humans. <laughs> Right. But I love that you mentioned in the beginning about the parallel of leadership and coaching, because leadership and coaching are both about asking questions and not giving answers. And that's how they can spot a great coach because they're not just saying, oh, here's your roadmap and your steps to follow and your checklist. 
they're asking the questions for you to come up with your own checklist. Yeah. Yeah. Really empowering on the team's end of things when they see that even though you as the CEO have a clear vision for where you want the business to go and a sense of what you want the company's future to look like, that you don't have all the answers. Yeah. I feel like I don't have any answers most days. (laughs) Oh, I get it there. But I will say too, when I feel like I'm living out this response to the drama triangle, it makes life so easy. It just Mm -hmm. takes the weight off of what could otherwise be these really heavy problems. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I've told this story multiple times. I had my first hiccup on my team and my immediate reaction was to go to Jamie and be like, how would Joey handle this? My gosh. And it worked. And I remember typing this email and saying, this was so easy, like you said, because it was along the lines of how can I help? And removing all of those victim prosecutor like sentences. And I just remember being like, that was so easy but it's exercise to train ourselves to think in that way. And I needed somebody to say, this is how a great leader would handle it so that I could say, okay, what works in this situation? Because I was stuck in that one of the triangle. (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me too of just that. I think it's the Mark Twain quote of, I would have written a shorter letter if I had more time. Yeah. I think that so much of strong coaching and strong leadership really is taking the mental time to edit what your response is going to be. That self-awareness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that's all leadership is, right? Is being open and self-aware enough to recognize where you can improve and to constantly be seeking that improvement. Whereas that scarcity mindset is like a sentence, right? Leadership is a question. Scarcity yes. mindset is a sentence of I don't have enough. I can't right now. I'm too busy. Those are all forms of scarcity, you know, whereas leadership might present itself as when can I do this? What needs to get done? Mm. How can I help? Man, yeah, that's really good. So yeah, I encourage you all to think more about this question. Again, where your natural tendencies are on this drama triangle in terms of the victim, the persecutor, and the rescuer. Also, just keeping in mind that you're totally normal if all three of them relate to yourself. And then just committing to getting to, uh, how can I say this well? Committing to reaching that abundance mindset through that question of how can I help? Yeah. Because again, I think that as more and more business owners are becoming aware of this great mantra of have an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset, the more language and clarity we can put to what does a scarcity mindset look like, we can get a sense of kind of what our kind of default patterns are that can help us quickly reframe and trigger out of those situations. Then it's just a matter of, okay, how can I ask those questions? Like, how can I help? Yeah that forced me into this new direction of having a growth mindset. Before we totally wrap up here, I know that we've got a few announcements and updates for everybody. Yeah, I know. And I would love to hear, Joey, your 
coaching program that has opened up that you filled quite a few seats for. How does today's topic kind of tie into the way that you'll be working people? And it's 12 weeks of coaching? It's a 12-week experience. It's like a hybrid between a mastermind experience and a group coaching experience. This is the first time we're doing something like this. We're calling it the next level CEO. And I'm keeping it to just eight business owners for now. Everyone already has a team of some size. And I was telling someone who's probably going to be joining yesterday, there's so many great programs out there, masterminds, coaching programs, and others that help you build and grow your business. And I think for most, if not all of those types of programs, being a strong CEO and a leader is a part of the conversation that happens in those programs. But it's usually cast aside after people are talking about certain types of growth hacks or what can we do to maximize sales or how can we talk about financials. And so this is going to be focused specifically on team building and becoming a stronger leader. And we already have six of the eight spots filled. And I just started spreading the word about this like yesterday. Yeah. So, and it's so timely, like what a testament to all the content and creation that you've been doing around team building. But those of us that have actually witnessed it and like, I've only been able to grow my team because I've been under the hood of your team. Mm. Oh my God, this is how it happens. So I think this is an opportunity as well, even though these people already have teams, but to get a little peek under the hood at how you've grown to over 22 now, right? Over? We're, yeah, we're definitely over 22. I think we're at like 26 or something. And look, like I do not have a blueprint for you inside this program. I have certain perspectives that I can offer. To, to repeat what Liz said earlier, I don't have the answers, but I do have great questions. And so I'm really excited to be going through, you know, and learning with the peers inside this program as well so that we can all get better and better. The, the end goal is how can we all become better leaders so that we can grow our businesses and have our businesses be less dependent on us? Yeah. And would you say that delegation for you has almost become easier? Like the more, like it's like an exercising a muscle, right? Like it's really hard the first two or three people you bring into your business, but then it gets easier and easier. You feel that to be true? <laughs> yes, 100%. I also think that huge part of what we'll be talking about inside the program is my love for our team's accountability chart. Yes. And the more that you start to delegate the roles that are lower on the on the accountability chart, and the more you have other people that you're bringing in as leaders that are themselves delegating stuff down, the the more and more effortless that it all becomes yeah. because now you're not, you're not just the one who is delegating stuff and then managing everybody's projects and making sure that everything's getting met. You can elevate more and more into a place of, okay, how can I stay in CEO mode, be the main visionary, the main designer of how things are moving forward and allowing others to not only delegate stuff, but to make key decisions. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. You're so good at this. Like we all have a superpower. And I think this is just an example of something that has 
you may not feel like it's come naturally to you, but mm -hmm. on the outside looking in, this has all come very natural to you. And this is a way of pulling that information out and sharing it with the world, right? Yeah. Community building comes naturally to me. It's very difficult to turn that into an SOP. Like these right. natural, and all entrepreneurs should be leaning into those natural gifts, but sometimes that can be the hardest thing to recreate because it does come intuitively. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I, just, I just think this is an incredible opportunity. When are you planning on it starting? It'll start first week of October. Okay, cool. So you still have the month of September to prepare and get those last few seats filled. Yeah, you guys, we might be completely full by the time that you listen to this podcast or whatever. If there's a ton of interest, I might be able to add like another set of four. Another cohort. Yeah, to the experience. So it'll be 12 people instead of eight. But I'm just excited and honored that there's a group of y'all who want to learn this together with me. Because I think the more we just keep our attention on stronger leadership, the more we will all become stronger leaders. Yeah, because so. we fall into that natural state, which is negative thinking. And this is a real thing that I learned in a leadership training that was like crazy, like 80, 90% of us are just born negative thinkers. So don't think something's wrong with you when you have negative thoughts. But if you don't constantly do this work and put yourself in a room of people who want to be better leaders, we can naturally fall right back into those negative thinking tendencies. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And also, I know school is about to start and you have your sale on Global Vetted VAs. So I didn't yes. want to forget to mention that. Yes. So Liz is a great example of somebody whose kids are about to go to school. She is very excited about being ultra productive in about a week and a half when she gets her time back. And so we know that now is a particularly exciting time for business owners to be thinking about having more time and also using that time. And we are running a back to school sale on global vetted VAs until September 1. So that the idea is we want to help incentivize you to commit to delegating to an overseas VA as soon as possible so that come September, you'll start having either one or multiple overseas VAs who you can start sending administrative entry-level tasks to so that you're not the one stuck doing $10 an hour activities. Yes, because that's when we really start leaving money on the table is when we allow ourselves to do those tasks. Yeah. Did I forget anything else? I think that's it. Again, Liz, thank you. Oh, the only other announcement that we have for everybody, just in case you're really keeping track of what Liz and I are doing here. Up until now, Liz and I have gone live on Thursday afternoons. This will be the final Thursday live video of our little series with Liz. We're taking a little break between the episodes that Liz and I are doing together for the month of September. We're coming back in October and we're going to be doing these every other Tuesday. I will still be doing th shows on Thursday as well. We've got some great guest experts lined up for you for the rest of this year and into next year. If you're interested in being featured on the Business Growth Advantage, we'll now have way more openings on these Thursday afternoon slots. So let me know in the comments, reach out if you'd like to be featured and we can work on making that happen. Yeah. And you're going to be traveling in September, right? So will, will any of the shows still be happening while you're traveling? Nope. Y'all, I'm practicing what I preach here. So I am taking 
three weeks vacation that are going to be my first ever vacation as a business owner where I'm not taking my laptop. So cool. So very excited. I'm excited to share my lessons learned with y'all as well. I will still have my phone with me. So I'll still be plugged in the social media, checking in on all of you a little bit while I'm in Portugal and then Italy, but I'll see y'all back on around September 18th. Yeah. And we'll keep some good conversations going in the business growth advantage Facebook group. So nobody be going to sleep on me. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Thanks everybody. I'll touch base with you all again in the next episode. And I know you all look forward to seeing Liz's face again, starting in October. All right, you guys. Thanks, Joey. Bye everyone. Joey.